0: The amen is my cue, (laughs) so if he doesn't do it. (laughs) So now you all are invited to get your Bibles out or your Bible app open, and um, there's Bibles in the back if you need one, or in the back of your um, seats, you can find one there, so I'll give you a second to pull out your Bible. It'll be in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Well, once again, grace and peace to you, beloved. Before we pray, we're starting something again. It's been done before, but we're going to do this again. The youth have asked to, to participate in uh, different ways in worship, and so they have given me a word here. work into the sermon. So we'll see if I can do it. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So we are in John chapter 15, and I invite you to keep your Bibles open because we will reference that passage together this morning. About 10 years ago, I was involved in planning and setting up a community garden as a relationship building endeavor of the church where I was serving as the associate pastor. We owned some residential lots near the church building, and so we literally started there with clearing the rubble and tilling the land. And honestly, the biggest fear I had in the beginning was how to make the garden literally grow because plants tend to come to my house to die. And I was concerned, but it turned out that the congregation was home to several master gardeners, so it didn't take long for us to have a plan to present to the church. And as you might expect, that's when comments from church people, most of whom had no intention of participating in the garden anyway, began rolling in. We're doing what? We don't have money for a garden? Are we going to put a fence around it? We're going to lock the gate, right? Are we going to require a certain number of hours before people can take the food? What if people take our tomatoes? That was a real question. I don't think we intend to be this way as followers of Jesus, but sometimes we find ourselves stunting our own growth. And the growth of the community around us because we're afraid of change. We've lost the ability to be curious and see how things go. We use the term growth to describe our life and faith because we find that imagery So often in our holy text, in several places, both Jesus and Paul talk about what it means to grow in the faith, to bear fruit, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, in our text for today, Jesus describes himself as the vine. This is the seventh and final statement of identity that we find only in the Gospel of John, and six of those statements are in the stained glass windows in the back of our sanctuary. This is where we got the idea for our I Am series. We are seeing life through stained glass. So far, we've talked about what it means for Jesus to be the bread of life and the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life. That brings us to chapter 15 in today's statement, I am the vine, and you are the branches. As we discussed last week, chapters 14 through 17 serve as a farewell conversation. Jesus is preparing his friends for his death, for his departure. At this point, they're in the upper room, and he's already washed their feet. They've eaten the Passover meal together, and he's already described what's going to happen next when someone betrays him and someone denies even knowing him people in that very room it's in this context that jesus tells them i am the way the truth and the life and i am the vine and you are the branches let's look at it again he says a little bit more than that so look at chapter 15 again sarah just read it but it wouldn't hurt for us to read some verses again To get the context so look in verses 1 through 5 if you have your bibles or your bible app jesus said i am the true vine and my father is the vine grower he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit you have already been cleansed by the word that i have spoken to you abide in me as i abide in you Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. I am the vine, and you are the the branches. Considering Jesus' geographical and cultural context, the vine he's most likely inviting his friends to imagine is a grapevine. The grapevine is referenced more than any other plant in our holy text because it was and it still is central to the culture and to the economy in the Mediterranean world. In fact, the vine was used so often as a literary device in the faith that it became a symbol of obedience and disobedience. People who are faithful to the law of God are known as being fruitful on the vine. People who walk away from God are known as being fruitless and withering on the vine. Cultivating a thick grapevine, much like cultivating a healthy faith, takes work. And that's one of the reasons that this statement of Jesus includes so many parts. Jesus is the vine, his followers, his friends are the branches. The vine grower or the pruner, that's God. And fruit, healthy fruit, is the result. Because the key theme in the Gospel of John, but certainly in this chapter, is relationship. Jesus is describing the nature of the relationship that he has with God, but also the way that that relationship is mirrored in his interactions with his followers, in the way the followers of Jesus live in the world, and what their thoughts and their actions produce. Bearing good fruit, he says, won't happen Apart from the vine, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he says in verse 5, and those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you would bear much fruit, and you would become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Abide in my love. The word abide also means to remain, to stay connected. It appears 40 times in the Gospel of John. Ten times alone in the passage that we read today, 11 in some translations. John is clearly reinforcing the theme of relationship here because abide is language of loyalty. It's language of deep attachment and relationships work in two directions if both parties are not willing to put in the work the relationship will not grow in john's language god grows the vine and jesus as the vine carries that life-giving work to all of the branches and it's the job of the branches then to stay connected and it takes work it takes a lot of work When we started that community garden so many years ago, the level of excitement was high once we got past all the grumbling. The groundbreaking was well attended and the planting days were always a big party. In fact, the garden became a site of actual big parties with food trucks and live music and hundreds of people from the church and the neighborhood. But in many ways, the garden turned into a Little Red Hymn project. And we struggled to find enough people to consistently pull weeds and check the irrigation system, and tend to general maintenance. It didn't take long for my small team of a handful of people to feel overwhelmed, and overworked, and underappreciated. And one day, in the middle of such frustration, we considered our options. And I said to them, I know this is hard work. And it really could be that the six of us, we are the core team doing the behind the scenes work that nobody else wants to do. That might not change despite our best efforts to recruit other people. So we can accept that and we can do what we can do or we can just plow the whole thing under and make it a park. What do you want to do? Anyone who has ever grown anything, a mimosa tree, a garden, a business, a child, knows that growth is hard work And it's painful at times, and it can't happen without the proper elements. Water, sunshine, nutrition, knowledge, money. Growth requires patience, perseverance, consistent attention. And what we're talking about here in terms of our own spiritual growth and maturity is the importance of staying connected to the source of our life. This is the message not just of the I am the vine statement, but of all of the I am statements that we have read together. They build on each other. They're not just standalone messages, although they work like that. These I am statements build upon each other, and they speak of a lifelong relationship with Jesus, beginning with nourishment. Jesus says he's the bread of life. We need nourishment to grow. When we are well-nourished, our brains work better, and our bodies work better, and we have the energy that we need to see clearly and insightfully by the light of the world that he gives us. And with that vision, we can see the invitation that Jesus is extending to us to stand beside him at the gate, inviting others, including everyone in this journey. And as we follow Jesus in that way in the community, we experience the unconditional love of God just like the sheep, experience the love of a shepherd who is willing to lay down his life. That way of living, it gives us a new lease on life. It's a resurrection of sorts. And it continues as we follow the directions and the purposes of the one who shows us the way, the one who is the way. It's that constant and consistent connection with God and with each other, like branches on a vine, that enables us to grow to walk the talk, as the saying goes. So it turns out that these I am statements are not just declarations of who Jesus says he is. They have a lot to do with who we are and what we are called to do in the, in the world. When following Jesus becomes our lives around things that are much lesser than this. So you have a piece of paper, and I'd like you to take that out. We're not going to work through it today, but I want you to have it. If you don't have the piece of paper, Leslie can get it for you. We also have the link available online. This is a very simple resource. A rule of life is an intentional set of practices that is designed to help us grow, not just in our spirit, but in our mind, and our body, and our relationships. When practiced regularly, this rule of life becomes like a trellis like a lattice that enables growth. Think again of the grapevine. A grapevine can actually grow on the ground without any support, but it does so much better if it has the support of a trellis, a lattice to grow up, to grow out, to bear better fruit, healthier fruit. Similarly, when we take time to organize our lives around a set of regular practices, like prayer, reading scripture, Silence and solitude, fasting, serving others, exercising, eating well, engaging in healthy relationships, these activities form a healthy rhythm in our lives and they facilitate our emotional maturity. So take this paper with you, tuck it into your Bible, give it a try this week. I know, again, that you've seen it before, but the point is that rhythms change. And it's important that we check in with ourselves to see how we're doing, to see if we're actually growing, envisioning how these things can work together. So if you go down this list and you start writing down things that you're already doing, you'll see that you're not starting from scratch. Think about things that you do for your own emotional and physical and relational health. And also think about not just what you do every day, but think about what you do every week, every month, every year, Maybe you are praying and reading scripture every day. That's great. Maybe twice a month you're serving with a food pantry. That's part of your rhythm of life. Maybe you're building a ramp once a month. That's part of your rhythm of life. Maybe you have a vacation spot that you like to go to every year. That's part of your rhythm of life. Maybe you go out to lunch once a month with a certain group of friends. Maybe you call a good friend who doesn't live near you once a week. Think about the things that you're doing that help you stay healthy. And then think about the things that you're not doing. Think about other things that you could add. I encourage you to think about this this week because we're turning the corner from summer to fall. And if you think things are busy now, they're really gonna get busy between now and the end of the year. Take some time, take some deep breaths, And remember, it doesn't have to be difficult to move some things around and to try some new things. I have a couple of things I want to make sure you know that we're doing here that are easy to add into your rhythm of life. I write discussion questions for the sermons every week. They're designed to help small groups, but anybody can use them. If you want to go deeper and study, if you want to think about things a little bit more, just access these questions. They're available for you in the email every Monday. Angie Herford Our children's minister writes trivia questions based on the Sunday school lessons. Anybody can do this. Again, it's available in our email. It's a fun way to remember those well-loved Bible stories. And it's okay if you don't know what the lesson is because the answers are at the bottom. And then you could go and look up the story and read it that way as well. Actually, there are many ways to spruce up your rule of life using our Star Weekly. It comes out every Monday at 2.30 If you're not receiving it, let me know. Let Stuart know. Email Stuart. His email is on the screen. If you've already signed up and you're not receiving it, it could be going to your junk or your spam folder. That's not something that we do. That's something that your email filter does. If you find it there, just drag it into your inbox a few times, and that should correct the problem. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can come and see me, and I'll walk you through it. I'll walk you through it because we're not alone. We are not alone, none of us are. It might feel like it's a few of us against the world, like it did for my small garden team those years ago. Truly, the work that growth requires can be overwhelming at times, and the thought of giving up and just plowing it all under is really enticing, especially when there's criticism involved. But when they face that choice all those years ago, My team chose instead to embrace the ownership that they had in the project. And the garden grew after that in every way imaginable. And when I left the garden, it was still going strong and it has become a place of community, a place of rainwater collection and a dry goods pantry and electricity and picnic tables and a little free library, a place where gathering could continue in a pandemic. So it can be with all of us. The fruit of goodness and grace that we can bear in this world is incredible if we choose to stay connected to the true vine. Amen? Amen. Fortunately for us, Jesus is exactly who he says he is, and he has something to say about who we are too, and that's where we're turning next. Today we read the statement, I am the vine, you are the branches. We talked about what it means to be the branches. In the next two weeks, we will enter into a two-part sermon called You Are in the Words of Jesus, so stay tuned for that. We move now into a time of prayer, so I invite you to take a deep breath. Kiddos, you can hold your wooden crosses and let us pray. Blessed are you, ever-creating God. In your image, our lives are made. In your glory, we offer all the work of our hearts and our hands and our minds. Blessed are you, O God, now and forever. Blessed are you whose work is repaid, for by your work and by the payment you receive, your lives and the lives of others around you and around the world are blessed. We thank God for you day by day. Blessed are you whose work is unpaid, who offer what you can to enrich the lives of others through time and talents and skill and strength and love. We praise God for your generous labor. Blessed are you who seek work but have not found it, or whose work is not yet what it may be, yet you still seek, that your gifts may be shared more fully. We praise God for your diligent seeking, and pray that you may soon find. Yours is the glory in all of our labors, yours be the glory in all of our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Amen.